You are listening to The Magic Hour. Today we're talking about human design, birth cards, and developing your intuition with the gifted intuitive healer, author, teacher, and human design expert, Peter Roth. On top of all of his mystical titles, he has also produced a movie, helped to found the New York City Marathon, and ran a manufacturing company for 12 years. Wow. Peter is here to share with us how he started his journey in intuitive healing, learned about birth cards, discovered human design, as well as share tips on how we can kickstart our intuition development right now. Let's make some magic. Hey everybody, Shireen here. Welcome to the Magic Hour. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Magic Hour drops every Sunday for your enjoyment and show notes are found at mylittlemagicshop.com, our official sponsor. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed, Spotify, or iTunes. And you can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook. All links are on the show notes. Now let's get to the show. Our guest today is Intuitive Healer, host of the Energy Stew podcast, and human design extraordinaire, Peter Roth. Welcome, Peter. I'm so excited to have you as a guest today. Thanks, Shireen. And, and also, I'd like to mention that I have a, a school. Yes. River Center for Intuitive yes. Healing, yes. which I've had weekly classes for 23 years. <laughs> yes, that I have been fortunate enough to have taken quite a few of those classes. So yes, I right. that is true. <laughs> Man, you have lived such a fascinating life so far. I'm just, you know, excited to see what else you'll create, but it's so wonderful taking some time to look back. So speaking of looking back, I really want to start at the beginning, before even before your awakening. Can you tell me a little bit about your younger self, like your 10-year-old Peter self? Like, was he always interested in mystical and esoteric topics? Not really until I was 17. And out of the blue, my father suddenly died a heart attack, immediately went to spirit, wanted to know where his soul was. And I even he even communicated with me a little bit after he died. Not not intuitively. He did it through the radio. <laughs> oh, wow. It was just all static. And all of a sudden, a voice came on and said, your father just died. And then went back to static. Again. Wow. So that was my father saying that he's he might have just died, but he, he's setting this up (laughs) wow wow. that is wow that's nothing short of magical i believe you're clear audience so which according to google is the power or facility of hearing something not present to the ear but regarded as having objective reality did you always hear or was there a moment where this kind of just turned on for you i didn't know how intuitive i was and I was doing amazing intuitive things in wonder. It's like, how do I know that? You know, there was a time when in the 70s, I was an active guest on the Gary Null Natural Living radio show. And he would bring me on to debate issues with experts about things that I should have known nothing about. But I could just sit at the mic and all of a sudden I had expert answers for people. And it's like, where did I, how do I know this? I don't know. And there are times where I've sat with scientists and given them information that they needed. And I would say, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know why I'm telling you this. This is what I'm receiving. And then they go, oh my gosh, this is amazing stuff. You know, I didn't understand what it all meant, you know, as an intuitive, other than so many experiences I had where I just was tuned in and new things that normal people don't know. How far back can you remember this happening for you? Like, was it 
you know, something in childhood or you just always remember it? There were times where a voice really would shout at me. (laughs) One time I was packing my car, head back south from up in Vermont, and I just smelled blood all over the car and I knew there was going to be blood. And I was with my kids and I said, oh, I'm nervous about this drive home because it's obvious that there's going to be blood. We stopped at a ski area where it was in the summer. They had this alpine chute, a sled that you could slide down these these slides on these like scooters or whatever, sleds. And I did it with my son and we were pretty brave. In the middle of it, I popped off <laughs> into the woods and I was like, well, I don't know. It's, and I thought I had hurt him, but he was a little cut up. And then I looked at my arm and I could see the bone. Oh, my God. It was sliced clear through. The bone wasn't broken, but the arm was sliced uh, right to the bone. And and luckily, it didn't start bleeding right away. I, I actually got back on the sled, and we went down the rest of the mountain. As soon as we got to the bottom, the blood started. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and so there was that warning I had, and I learned that, you know, looking back, I said, wow, the universe is really communicating with me. Uh, another time I was about to go for a run in Central Park, and I was about to step on the road, and I heard a shout in my head saying, stop, don't do that. Yeah. And I said, excuse me, I'm going for a run. What's going on? And I yeah. stepped back, and again, the voice shouted, stop, don't do that. And I said, well, thank you for sharing, but I have this run cut out for me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run. And within four miles, I came down with a stress fracture. Oh, my God. So later on, when I knew I, how intuitive I was and I could expect and I could actually create dialogues, there were also times where when I wouldn't be asking, the universe would start you know, basically directing me. I've learned I'd better pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of my work now is where I have a dialogue in the universe. I speak with the masters, with my spirit guides, or whoever else is out there who has who can make a good contribution. And it's amazing the information that comes through. I've worked with thousands of people over the last uh, 23, 24 years, helping people with the information that the universe provides. And oh, I love that. I love that so much. So I feel like one of the things that's really cool about you is that, you know, like you are a lifelong learner. So you've definitely, you know, taken on different disciplines and, you know, like learn different things. Can you tell me a couple of them that, you know, like really resonate with you that you incorporate in your practice or you teach about? Well, one thing is, is healing. I used to have an in-person, a regular in-person practice. Almost everybody would come to see me rather than now we do phone or Zoom or whatever. And I'd have big classes and a lot of advanced students, and we'd have people getting on the healing tables. And what was fascinating was that there, there was no box. It wasn't like, okay, this is the box that you heal in rows and columns and yeah. you do this and that. It was more about how do we maximize our communication in the universe to use the right healing tools that could be anything. Yeah. Any at any moment, it could be a brand new healing tool, and there and there were so many healing tools that I got so good at, and often the universe would say, "Forget that, we have a new one for you," <laughs> and it would go on and on that way. Yeah. And I realized that there's so many ways to receive information because we used to have so many students in the class who were who had developed really great intuition mm-hmm. and healing abilities, and 
and so we'd have classes where people would share what they're getting and what they're doing and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And everybody was so different from everyone else because they were unique people receiving information from their own unique universal sources. And people were going, well, I didn't get as good information as that person did. Oh, my gosh. And it's like, no, it's just different. Everybody is getting stuff. So we all have to respect what we're getting mm -hmm. and not try to judge one person against another yeah. as long as you're getting stuff. And it's amazing how long it takes for some people to build confidence in themselves yeah. to be completely open to what they're receiving and knowing that it's right. I remember many students over the years would keep coming to classes and I'd say, okay, what are you getting? And now they go, I don't know. I don't know. That was me part of it. <laughs> and, and yet they'd come back for more and more and more. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, they were wide open and they were the most amazing receivers. It was so incredible to see that, you know, not everybody starts receiving at once and other people take a very quick, each, each to his or her own. Yeah. And, um, but it's amazing how we are all multidimensional. Yeah. And so the idea is to learn to be that way. To, and that's what I teach is to, how to open up your communication with, you know, the spirit guides and the masters, your higher self and anyone who wants to be of help to you and not worry about it either. You know, because a lot of people who are concerned about it, who am I hearing from out there? I'll only be happy if it's archangel so-and-so or whatever. It's like, no, you know, it could be any spirit. And, and if they think that you're going to be impressed by the, if they say, that they're an archangel, they'll tell you they're an archangel. So <laughs> what's important is the quality of the information. And so I love to show people how to open up. And, and so our classes, a lot of intuitive development classes are about how to connect with that, that higher source. And, and, and not only with hearing, also with clairvoyance, which is seeing. And it's not about, okay, now you're going to be able to see chakras or auras. No, it's like, now, all of a sudden, you'll be shown moments in people's lives, you know, in their past. You'll see someone behaving a certain way and go, oh, when you were six, I, you were doing this or that. It's like, yeah, that's clairvoyant. Mm -hmm. and, and people don't really realize that they can develop that skill. I love it. I, actually, I have a radio show coming up on Energy Stew that is um, with a woman who has researched children under five years old who remember their past lives. Oh, yeah. I think I recently saw a documentary um, on that, which I thought was like so fascinating. There was a little, I think it was on History Channel, and there was like a little boy who he remembered a past life as a pilot something, and, um, and he they died. They validated it. Yeah, and he died in the plane crash, then the parents went and researched yeah. and, found, and then they connected it and then the little boy was having such horrible nightmares that he had to say goodbye so that he could finally like move on from that it was a really it was really fascinating yeah and actually there have been thousands of children who have seen past lifetimes mm -hmm. even my granddaughter who's three and a half is telling me about a past lifetime wow <laughs> so, yeah it's it's fascinating it's so easy for little children to be in in all dimensions and you know it's but after five years old they start shutting it down and do you think that's like a, a nature or nurture thing do you think it's both they're more open naturally more open when they're really little because they haven't distinguished between dimensions yet and there's also society that says uh, wait a minute that's crazy stop talking like that so so there are a lot of reasons why people lose that ability but it's 
it's okay. Um, if you're designed to be inquisitive, spiritually inclined, then as you get older, you'll find your way. Yeah. So what are some go-to tools that, you know, you generally suggest? And of course, you don't have to give away all your magic because you have this wonderful class that I'm sure lots of people will continue to sign up for. I took it. And I can tell you what I thought was like one of the big takeaways for me from that class. But what are your go-to tools for people that are just starting to like rediscover this, you know, their intuition and working between worlds? Well, I also have Monday night classes where people can just sign up for one class and each class has a different theme so usually whatever the theme is usually i start off by giving an intuitive reading to each student right lately there have been you know about a dozen people in the classes Mm -hmm. and so i can do that and then i'll look at their we'll we'll talk about later i'll look at their cards and their human design and see how that also pertains to the theme of the class Mm -hmm. so people get a lot of information they need and the classes have many many different themes to them the class coming up presently next week is what are the shadows that you're dancing with in life because we all have shadows that trip us up and we can learn to dance with them better and if we know them and understand their character and their the way they repeat themselves in our lives people can go to the website heartriver.org and if you look at monday night classes actually i have a long list of old classes and you can see so many different subject matters that might be of interest and many of them are going to be repeated moving forward. I like that. And yes, so people can definitely go to the classes. I feel like one of the things that you showed me that was really, well, two things actually, was one, you showed me how to make a pendulum and how to use it. Which right, is something right. that I like still use and share and love. Oh, good. Yeah. Like I've developed so many, such a love. Now I have like five of them. And then also you had us using these flashcards where we would have to guess what the shape or the color or what was written on Oh, that was for clairvoyance. Yeah, that that was very interesting. Oh, Um, I love that. Because I mean, of course, you know, like you, sometimes you guess right. But I mean, it's really, like you said before, it's really about trusting yourself or trusting the messages that you're getting or however you're getting it. And I feel like, that's like the big key with intuition development. It's just like, it's a very personal journey where you just have to learn how to trust, you know, even with these tools. Well, that's the point. For instance, I remember sometimes in class, there'd be people who say, you know, I'm not getting anything. Mm-hmm. And we would say, all right, so why don't you just make something up? And then make something up, as, you know, just use your imagination, just invent some story or answer that you think, you know, is just fanciful. Yeah. And they would do that and the other person would say, wow, that's exactly what I needed to hear. (laughs) That we're really designed to know better and we don't realize how good we can be at it. Yeah, definitely true. Okay, so, so far, what has been like your top three favorite classes that you've done? I know you've done- Past life classes are always great, but also I love to do classes of where is your soul really from? Mm, yep. That goes way back to soul origin. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do classes on ancient lifetimes. But mm-hmm. sometimes in my past life classes, the 
I'll, I'll be working with one of the students and the universal said, no, we're not going to a past life of this person. We're going to go to a future life. Oh. We're looking at a future life. So that's really cool. I like classes that have to do with soulmates, soul relationships, soul contracts. And in those classes, people can actually bring names of people in their lives mm-hmm. and, and I'll intuitively be able to give them information about why that person is there because so often we reincarnate with people from previous lives that we need uh, in this life and they need also and we fulfill our destiny that i did a class recently on what colors forms symbols mantras sounds you need mm. and, and for each student i would and that was a bigger class i guess no we had about 13 people because i always want to get it done in the two hours but not always uh, usually we go over i was able to look at each student's energy and see which you know colors forms mantras whatever it was that they needed mm-hmm. to be able to give it to them and then when you're you're there for the whole class zoom class Mm-hmm. You're actually getting a lot of information about a lot of different tools that you can use on different people. Yeah. So okay. it adds up. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And I remember you did one a while ago on guides, which I really like that one a lot. Like who your spirit guides are and what do they bring to oh, you. Oh, yeah. Who's out there? Yeah, that was a fun one. And then there was one on foods and eating. And I feel like I was so annoyed with you after that class because I was like, what does he mean? I could only eat one thing. <laughs> one thing at a time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I remember That's- it made complete sense afterwards, but like during, I was like, what? Like, I don't know about this. No, but that's that's the caveman food uh, strategy that human design gives. Mm-hmm. And it gives a whole bunch of different strategies. Yeah. You and I have the same one. We have the same birthday too. We have to eat like cavemen. And they didn't eat big casseroles or anything like that. They just ate one food at a time. So yeah. it's healthier for us to eat that way. Yeah, I like Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, look, it's not like I, I'm a purist about it. I am not. But it's that you and I can enjoy simple foods, whereas a lot of people can't. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I'm like, oh, I have to sign up for a class. I haven't been in a while, so that should be fun. Get back Good. to it. Okay, so speaking of human design, I'm super happy you brought that up. So it seems like human design has been picking up quite a bit of steam lately. But I remember when you first told me about it, like only two results came up on on Google. Like it wasn't that popular. Now I'm still the only analyst in the New York area. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's becoming more popular. Worldwide. Yes, worldwide, yes. And there's just, there's so much more information on it now compared to before. But I mean, I feel like you're kind of like, you know, old school guru on it. But for our listeners who aren't as familiar with human design, can you just break it down for them? Like, how does it work? All right, I'd be happy to. Human design uses your birth data, date, time, and place. It's in the way that astrology does. So it wants to know where the planets were in the sky the moment you were born. It also uses another date, 88 and a half days before you were born, when the unconscious half of your personality kicked in. And so to do a human design reading, I need to look at both the conscious and the unconscious parts of your personality, which each play as an important role as each other. Then, because we know where the planets line up in the sky, instead of having planets and signs around the sky like astrology does, we have the hexagrams of the Chinese I Ching. 
<laughs> and there are 64 of them. So those sit around the sky. And because of where your planets are, those hexagrams that they point to are your hexagrams and no and the others. And so it's really the hexagrams of the, of the I Ching have incredible information. They're over really a thousand different traits you can have through the I Ching because there's six times 64 because a hexagram is six lines. So each line is a subset of the 64, the 64, 64 different concepts of life. And then you have the six subsets of each. So there's 384 possibilities. But then there's um, an aspect to them, an exaltation or a detriment that kicks, uh, can kick in or not. And that, that stirs the pot even more. So you can have over a thousand possible traits in your human design of, uh, that are very specific to you. And nobody else would have the combination that you would have. Wow. That says a lot in itself. And then it gets transposed into the chakra system. Each chakra actually permanently houses a number of different hexagrams that relate to the aspects of the chakras. You know, if it's the heart or the head or whatever, there are hexagrams that, that relate to that. And or emotions, you know, which hexagrams you have, you have those transposed into the chakras. And then you start analyzing chakras that way. And the chakras tell us a lot about our lives. And the system is very exacting. It's very detailed. It's not vague at all. And it has tons and tons of information. So a chart reading can actually go two, two and a half hours wow. of constant detail. And I've done thousands of chart readings. At the end of each chart reading, I always say, so how did it line up? And they always go 100%. Wow. So it really is uh, an amazing way, you know, because astrology, all, all the systems have great insight into us, if you know them properly. And this one is amazing. My wife is a, an astrologer, and she says that human design is astrology on steroids. Yeah. So that's nice to know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. The little that I understand about human design, I know that there are four, maybe five, depending on how you say it, different types. So manifestors, manifesting generators, generators, projectors, and reflectors. Do you have an easy way of, of sharing the difference between these? Yeah, well, it's it's obvious in the chakra template that is created by the hexagrams, which chakras are connected to other chakras that show us what it is. Manifestors have their throat chakras defined. They're powerful. And because manifestation, let's call it the word of God, <laughs> creation, we speak from that power of our throats. And when it's defined, we have that power in our throats. So we manifest from there. The generators, which are 70% of the population, they actually have their second chakra colored and defined. That's a motor. It's the sacrum motor. It's also the sex chakra, but in this system, we really see it as, as a motor of energy that runs your life. That you think because you have that motor, that life works best if you use it. So you stir your pot and you try to make life work by stirring your pot. The more you stir it, the better you think your life will work. You throw everything into that pot and say, oh, I'm going to get a result. But the theme is frustration because we're not manifestors. We're only generators. And we a lot of time is spent, we feel is wasted because we're stirring the pot so hard and not getting the results we want. But we really are indirect manifestors. We really are stirring the pot to create intention in the universe. And the universe actually comes through in its own way, in its own time, its own form, in ways that we might not expect, but fulfill our intention. 
So the idea is not to keep your eye on your pot that you're starting so hard, but to keep your eye on the periphery and watch life come out of the field. The, the real truth in life is that it happens and in patterns. So human design shows us the patterns that our life happens in, and so do other systems. It's really about the universe at work. We're just passengers on the ship. And so we can't even think for ourselves. We can't. You know why? When was the last time you planned a thought? <laughs> That's a trick question. <laughs> no, you've never planned a thought. No. You can't. You can follow thoughts that you plan. If you haven't <laughs> planned them either, they come to you. Yeah. So we have so in other words, we have thoughts. Where do they come from? We don't know. So we're really passengers on the ship. We have to live serendipitously and synchronistically and trust the process. That's really the secret to life is to trust the process. Doesn't mean not to stir your pot a lot, yeah. but then to, in a sense, get out of your own way. Other manifestors and generators, tell me a little bit about manifesting generators. Well, they're, they're really generators who, once the universe delivers out of left field, they can then manifest from that. Got it, got it, okay. And then projectors and reflectors. Okay, projectors are 21% of the population there. They don't have that sacrum, that the second chakra defined it's empty and projectors aren't run by their motors and so you could say that those of us who are are slaves to our energy mm-hmm. and the projectors are here to save us from being slaves <laughs> they actually instead of stirring their pots they design their pots so they kind of work on on their design they're always seeking to be recognized for what they're best at. And their job is to wait for people to see them Mm -hmm. and respond to them. And if they don't, then their theme is bitterness because they don't have time to be recognized. But once they're recognized, great things can happen because they're smart. They're always very smart and and don't waste energy. (laughs) So manifestors, throat chakra is defined, generators, sacral, projectors, nothing to find, and then reflectors, which I believe are the smallest pool of the population. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, they have no definition. Oh. <laughs> they're okay. just mirrors. You know, they're just walking around. Yeah. They're um, canaries in the coal mine. <laughs> you know, it's they, um, they respond well, and their job is to choose to be around what turns them on. Yeah. So they can reflect that. They have to really be sensitive to not reflecting the wrong stuff. That's fantastic. Most recently, you've gotten into card reading. So can you tell me a little bit more about this? Yeah, I love that. Well, this is a 52-card deck. This is, you know, the playing cards that we're all familiar with, which is thousands of years old. It has a mathematical system to it so that based on your birth date, you can then uh, find out which cards you're born to. And there's a hand of cards you're born to. And not just a birth card, but then there's a ruling card. And then there are so many, there, there are cards based on each planet we respond in our lives. But I've done, at this point, hundreds, if not certainly I probably more than a thousand card readings and and they're always unusually correct because I'll do them with groups of people like there might be 10 people who know each other and I'll go from one person to the other telling them their cards and they'll go oh, of course oh my gosh no wonder and because it explains people and so like you and I because we're both born on the same birthday we're both four of clubs that's our birth card so the four of clubs 
is actually a strong card because it clubs are the mind and four is four squared. It's foundational. You and I always want to get to the truth. We want to know what's correct, what's right, what can I believe in, what's the foundation for this or for that. So it's a very smart card. So congratulations. <laughs> oh, yay me. <laughs> but it has its shadows. There'll be questions. All things in life. <laughs> right. So the four of clubs is, is greatly questioned. You know, how do you know that? What makes you so smart? <laughs> Skeptical. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have people who, you know, their job is to shadow your card and say, I don't know if I believe you or not. But that's only some people. You know, most people will really appreciate your brilliance. And then your ruling card is the Jack of Spades. And that's kind of why we're doing the work we're doing, because the Jack of Spades is called the Prince of Consciousness. And you're, you love to explore consciousness. See, and so do I. So, it's amazing how when you meet a Jack of Spades, how you always know that what their interests are and what they're up to. And they explore because the Jack is the prince of the kingdom and doesn't have a defined role other than king in waiting. Because mm -hmm. all this a whole kingdom and all this time to just explore. Oh, I love that definition. I never heard that before. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. But it can get you into trouble because you're exploring who knows what next. <laughs> so, and then we have our shadow cards. Like for us, the eight of spades is the biggest shadow card we have. And that's that's a card that uh, is a card of mastery. Eight is a master number. Spades are highly spiritual, of course, but also cover the other suits. That's a shadow. In other words, that's why the four of clubs gets challenged so much because people, some people will not want you to be the master that you're here to be, but it's your genius card. Your shadow card is your genius card. So you really are here to be a great master. It's just that you'll run into a lot of obstacles from people who are reading your shadow and know that that their job is to trip you up. I've had that many times in my life. I always say, always been the last man standing. You know, it's like, <laughs> yes, well, all these troublemakers out there. But in the end, I found my way. Maybe it's the four of clubs that helps us figure things out. But we really figure things out, make up for the challenges. It's great to know that. And another challenge card of yours and, and mine is the five of clubs. And the five of clubs is is the... Again, the clubs of the mind. And the five is change and never feeling that you know enough, always thinking there's more to know. So it's it's great questioning of yourself and your mind. And it's, wait a minute, I need I need my next lesson. That definitely resonates with me. So wait, so it sounds like there's a couple different shadow. Does everyone have like three different shadow cards, or is it like you just one shadow card? Like how does it work? Well, there are challenges. There are shadow cards. There are challenge cards. There's also um, a, um, can we call it, it's a number of different names, but it's, it's like a saving grace card. Oh, and okay. I, it's the ace of hearts. Oh, okay. That means we love to have impact with people. Oh, interesting. We love to share and to create, because the ace is creation. Yeah. We love to create with people and, and bring light, you know, the heart, bring light. What really works for you when you're ever feeling challenged yeah. is to know that just light people up and you'll be successful and happy. 
Oh, I love that. That totally, totally resonates with me. Oh, I feel like now everyone should be signing up with card reading. Screen. <laughs> that one. I love that. Um, but how, how did you even, how did you get into card reading? Well, 50 years ago, my mother called me from California where she was living. And she said, guess what? You're a four of clubs. <laughs> Wait, was your, is your mom, was she into all of this stuff? Or was that completely out of the blue for her? She was just into people who did stuff. Okay. She met a card reader out there 50 yeah. years ago uh-huh. who told her what her family's cards were. Mm. And she made sure I knew. <laughs> but only the four of clubs, not the other cards. <laughs> But um, and it's it's not an easy card because it it, it has that shadow card the eight, eight of spades yeah so it gets challenged but it's but you and I I mean we've lived these cards for a long time yeah. and we realize how much good it does for people and how much people appreciate it and love what we do and want more yeah and so once your mom so that was like fifty years ago but you said you recently got into it so like did, was there something that triggered this well life? one of my students became a card expert. Oh. And he's done many of my radio shows, Alexander Dunlop. Okay. And uh, so he's he brought me back to my interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, although actually I might have bought a book or two on it before I got back with him on it, but he wrote a book on it and and so um, he's one of he's he's become one of my closest friends because we speak Cardese. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And his wife speaks it too, so it's cool that, uh, and his children speak. So we all speak together and speak Cardi's. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's awesome. It's it's like it just had to come full circle. Well, (laughs) and who knows what's next and, you know, what opportunities there are to explore. I just trust the universe to keep on sending us new opportunities. Yeah. You used to always say to me, trust the process. I feel like I need it, like, you know, tattooed. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's hard. Um, it's hard to trust when life is so crazy. Yeah. But you and I, our jack of spades is here for good stuff. Yeah, so true. Okay, so that was awesome, awesome, awesome. And I always like to kind of close the episode with three feed your soul questions, just so I can understand a little bit more about your tips and tricks of keeping healthy and sane. So my first question is, are there any consistent activities or rituals that you do to maintain a sense of peace? And that's physical. I'm a runner mm-hmm. and a swimmer. And I remember years ago when I met the Rinpoches, because I've had past lifetimes in Tibet. There was a time when, when the Rinpoches, you know, the, these are the leaders of Tibetan Buddhism, mm-hmm. were coming through New York to go to different ashrams. And, mm-hmm. and they'd always come and see me. And I remember talking to one and say, I don't do as much meditation as I probably should. I've had some profound meditations, but it's not like it runs my life. And they, I, I said, but I run all the time. And they said, yeah, that's really your meditation because that's repetitive and you're, you know, it's the loneliness of long distance runners. So I'm with myself and, uh, and I, I really believe in that. And I've had so many, I've had a number of lifetimes in Tibet. I've probably done so many of the 100,000 prostrations and all that kind of stuff before. And actually in this lifetime, what was interesting is that uh, about 20 years ago, I was in a crowd on the over on the east side, and the Dalai Lama was coming to give a talk. 
and um, he's passing by this crowd on the way to give his talk. And I'm back in the crowd, and he, he, just, he looks over, and he stops, and he makes his way through the crowd right to me. Oh, that's and, so cool. And he grabs my hands, mm -hmm. and he holds his forehead forward so we can touch foreheads. Mm -hmm. And he looks at me, and he says, it's so good to see you again, because he and I worked together in past lives. Wow. So he remembered me from past lifetimes. Wow. And I've asked around in the Tibetan community, how often does the Dalai Lama touch foreheads with people? And you go, oh, no, he's too holy for that. Oh, and you wow. got to be somebody very special for him to touch foreheads with. Wow. So I'm very... Surprised? Were you like, wait, is he coming? Is he coming to me? Or, <laughs> or I know, you... I was just standing there and he just comes right at me and right up to me, knew who I was you know, from past lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And and we hold hands, each hand separately together. And then he leans forward and I knew, you know, because I've had past lifetimes, but I knew that I'm to touch foreheads with him. Yeah. And and then he told me that, you know, he remembered. It was, that was beautiful. Wow, I love my, it. My last lifetime was in India. I was a disciple of Sri Ramakrishna. So yeah. I'm sure I did a lot of meditating in that lifetime too. <laughs> so I just feel connected in the universe all the time. Every yeah. day, I, I'm, I, I, I just tell people I live multidimensionally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. But I think it's great to have like that sense of balance and grounding with the running because it is a physical activity, especially if you do spend a lot of time, you know, in other worlds yeah, <laughs> or, right. yeah yeah so i love that okay so do you have a favorite movie that always revives your spirit well and there, are, there are movies that i just love thinking back on, on two special movies one was dumb and dumber <laughs> <laughs> which my wife thinks was very dumb <laughs> Uh, we don't all appreciate it the same way. And the other, and I can't remember, George Clooney was the star in it. And it was down south and they were singers and um, got knocked around a lot. I can't remember the name of it. I've seen it a few times and it, I, it just really turns me on. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> and of course, there's the movie that I, I was executive producer of. We filmed it in 1983, it came out in 1986, and it starred Bruce Dern. Mm -hmm. And I had an acting role in that film. Oh, look at that. Oh, wow. And now there, there recently, there, there was a documentary made about the history of running in New York. Mm -hmm. And I'm featured in that. And then there's another docu documentary that was just two years ago came out. Um, called uh, Run for Free. Oh, no, Free to Run. Sorry, Free to Run. The first one was called uh, Run for Your Life. And this is uh, made in Europe, and it's the history of running in the world. And I'm featured in that one as well. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm a celebrity, an old-timer celebrity. I'm one of the dinosaurs of the running world, and I'm proud to be uh, in films about it. <laughs> I love that. Okay, and then my final question of the night is, who is, who's one of the most inspirational people you've ever met and what did they reveal to you that never left you? I, I'm thinking of, of just two people. Mm -hmm. One was um, a professor that I studied with it when I was at Penn State. I was an art history major and he was the most brilliant man I'd ever met. Mm -hmm. And he loved me. <laughs> and I was so... I needed that so much. <laughs> I needed his appreciation at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. And and he brought me to new heights. 
um, and not only academically, but also just in in who I need to be in this life. He really honored me, and I had such great respect for him. And the other was Peter Urban, who um, was the um, sensei. He was a master sensei of the dojo I studied in, in Chinatown in the mid-60s. Mm-hmm. And he um, he also saw me as important in his karate world. And he was, this was like one of the ultimate dojos in the country. Wow. And a lot of the students were national title holders and you know, city champions and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and on covers of karate magazines. And they, they were students of his. <laughs> wow. Wow. And, and some of them had their own schools, but um, it was, he was the ultimate master. And he really believed in me and helped me really appreciate how to be a powerful person in the world. Because it wasn't just about karate, it was really about being a martial artist in life. And he was this amazingly powerful man who saw in me something that I needed to see also. So those are, you know, plus, you can talk about others. Fred LeBeau, who founded the New York Marathon with me, Mm -hmm. and... um, he was an icon and there's a statue of him in Central Park and wow. he had amazing charisma. And he he brought me in to be one of the leaders of the marathon and all that. And that was great. And um so and there are others, but I just thought Oh, I love that. Honor them. Yeah, I love I mean I love those stories. Sometimes it is important and people do come into our lives that, you know, show us what we could be that we don't yet see. And I feel like that's incredibly important. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you. I'm so happy to talk with you. Oh, yeah. It was such a wonderful, always a pleasure to talk with you. And I can't wait to join in on one of your upcoming classes. So can you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you? Right. The website is heartriver, H-E-A-R-T, river.org. And and I'm Peter at heartriver.org, which is my uh, email address. And the um, uh, radio show is Energy Stew. So if people want to listen, there are 15 years of weekly shows that are archived. And um, so if you just um, go to your phone and, and do Energy Stew, S-T-E-W, podcasts, and you'll find my, my shows. Wow. You were doing podcasts way before they became cool. (laughs) Love it. Always on the cutting edge. Well, thank you everyone for tuning into the magic hour. We hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to check the show notes over at mylittlemagicshop.com for more information on today's guest, Peter Roth. Remember to check out his podcast, Energy Stew. We hope to see you again next Sunday. As always, sending you so much love, light, and magic. And remember, without a dream, you can't have a dream come true. So make sure you're out there making your own magic. Thank you.